everyone, welcome back to the Book and Life podcast. Today we're going to have a brand new book guest on. Whether they're an author, an editor, a producer, you'll never quite know, so you're in for one hell of a ride. But today I just have to uh, do the adverts and then I'll get us straight into that most important conversation. And as as we do every week, um, I'm going to read The Shadow which is part of the Time Guardian series, and this is book four from Marianne Curley. The battle is over, the war is won. The prophecy complete, but life can't just pick up where it left off for Ethan, struggling to cope with tragic loss. At odds with friends in the guard, he finds himself adrift, jumping in shadows and sensing someone who can't possibly be there. Blaming herself for the goddess Athena's death, Giselle swears revenge to fullify the immortal's plan for world domination, but Giselle hadn't planned on love, and that leaves her with an unbearable choice. Should she follow her heart, or the strings of a goddess short on praise but high on expectation, who continues to pull her from the grave? As the guard and the order battles through the past and into an impossible future, darkness looks round every corner. The fight for the world's survival rests with just one. Is it friend or foe who stands in the shadow? And just a reminder that The Price of Freedom by Rosemary Aiken, sorry, Rosemary Rowan, um, is being donated to the Ukraine refugee crisis. And here's the blurb for her book. It's uh, one of her... Roman British crime series, which was written under her maiden name. All editions can be found online where all books are sold, even her agents donating her commission. Sorry, I don't have the blurb for that, but uh, that's that's what she's doing. And now, without further ado, let's get you to the guests. Well, guys, I promised you an incredible author and I got one for you guys. You are not going to believe the woman you're meeting today. She is so wrenchingly good. And I am so honored to have her on to share her story and for you guys to learn off of her. So without further ado, everyone, please welcome Butterscotch. Hey, how we doing? I actually had to remember to pronounce my T's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In Scotland, it's a terrible habit. We don't pronounce T's. You know what? I'm sure everybody got something. I'm sure we got something, too, and I don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's so weird, because in every part of the world, or at least in every town in mm-hmm. the world, there's always, like, a little thing of pronunciation that nobody does. <laughs> no, really. There really is. And, like, nobody knows what it is. It's kind of just, like, a known unknown that we just do it. <laughs> But it does make tourists stand out, though, because when you listen to, like, tourists and then you hear the locals, so you're like, that's definitely tourists, that's definitely locals. That is true. <laughs> so tell us about your latest book. Well, my latest book actually is part two to the very first book I wrote um, called Before I Let Go, which will come out on Saturday, actually, this week. Wow, we timed this well then. Yes, um, you actually timed this perfectly before I even knew 
um, because I didn't even find out until for the release date until like three days ago. So, wow. yeah. So when I went back to check our correspondence and you were like July 20th, I was like, she has impeccable timing. <laughs> Don't worry. I will stick this out on Saturday just for you. <laughs> Thank you. No, because it's, it's, it's so important. I always find this and I, I kind of say this to authors all the time is when you get a release date, the more you can get your name out there during that first 24 hours is like essential because that's how people pick up on stuff. And if you can like hit every platform going, then people start Googling to say, oh, who's this person that I keep seeing everywhere? And that's what you want because then they go and they check out the book and nine out of 10 will buy if it's that first day release because they think they're getting something before everybody else. Yes. I think that's a great tip and I'm going to definitely remember that since I'm kind of like, I'm still, I'm still new, but I agree with that a hundred percent. I was really just talking yesterday about like ways I could market it the same day I came out. Because like you said, like that's like the most popular top peak day that you really should just be shooting for. I like that for anything, books, movies, yeah. whatever kind of creative you are, that first day, we really got to get that out there. I always find that because like when I do my media on release days, it's like I will find a really good picture that'll go out um, or I'll use the cover goes out and then I get my friends, anyone and everyone usually who owes me a favor gets like a text saying, can you retweet this? Can you share this? Can you? Yeah. And it. It's so amazing because then they ask their friends and it's the trickle down effect. And just from doing that, you know, you kind of get that, that interest level. So, yeah, but I didn't learn that for like six years. <laughs> I was six years in the business before I clicked. Oh, this is what they mean by going like just full on on the day of release. Like I didn't put it together and then I felt like an idiot because I got all these classes and stuff. Did not sink in. Well, I mean, hey, you know what? It's better late than never because I definitely agree with the trickle down thing because you could do it and then family members, friends, or whoever, they might send it to somebody else and then they might like it and then they'll send it to somebody else. So I think it definitely yeah. works. It's more like, you know, traditional in that sense because everything is like at our fingertips, but I still think it works. Yeah, and it does. And it's so like different if you think on like how publishing was maybe 15 years ago to how mm -hmm. we're doing it now. Like, it feels like we've just jumped in, like, a lightning speed vehicle, and it's dropped us off in the middle of nowhere, and we're all kind of wandering around, like, what the hell? So, yeah. Basically, because we have everything. We have TikTok, we have, like you said, Twitter, we have everything. So, it's like, yeah. uh, what should I promote? Where should I start? Where should I stop? See, so one of the, the TikTok ones that I... I'm trying because my book's on 21st of August is my next release. So one of the things they said was get a copy of your book and then have somebody film you signing it and then do like for that whole week, do like TikToks that has like little bits of the book where you maybe read a little bit or you're like showing off the cover or you're showing off the inside, like so that they're constantly seeing it on TikTok because people then share it and they comment on it. And that's a good way of going about the TikTok side of things. Um, and also if you can get people to put reviews up for the book on TikTok, then they get shared. Cause there's like actually a whole book community on TikTok, but getting book into that. 
yeah, book talk and getting in there is actually a whole lot harder than people realize. I have to agree. Like, you know, when you go on TikTok and you like interact with like different videos and stuff, I never really thought about like putting my book on TikTok until I was thinking about a way to market book too. Um, and then yeah. after that, like, uh, I'm going to have to do something. <laughs> I know. I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go the easy route. I'll just do a podcast, and then I'm like, this isn't actually as easy as I thought it would be. I'm a year into this thing, and I'm like, no way am I close to even understanding it. <laughs> I thought this was like, well, it's, you know, if people talk for an hour, then you know, done. But no, it's never, it's never that simple. <laughs> It's always never simple when you want something to be simple. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And that's why I always say simplify the writing process as much as you can so that you have plenty of time to do the other stuff, like the plotting and the breaking down and the everything else because time for authors just kind of like vanishes. It's like trying to catch water in your hands. It's awful a lot of the time. It really is. I definitely agree with that. I, I feel like um, if you're an author that has, like, deadlines, I definitely think it's the water in the hand situation. Um, thankfully, at this point, um, my very first book, my publisher, like, she did give me a deadline, but I was pretty much already done. So it really didn't matter. But the second one, I started a master's program, and it took a while for me to get this second release out. So I'm just, I feel like it's my baby at this point. I'm very happy about it. Um, and I'm, I'm very so excited. delighted that it's coming out this weekend. That's amazing. Yes, that's that's what I'm very excited about as well, that it's coming out this weekend. I feel like it's a very surreal feeling. Yeah, it is. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the story and, and what inspired you to write it? Yeah, so um, I've always been, like, a bookworm. Like, that's that's just me since I was probably, like, five. So old enough to read, I've always been a bookworm. But I never really thought about, like, becoming an author or anything. But what inspired this book is that when I was about, I would say, like, 13, 14, um, I moved to North Carolina with my mom. And then I started getting close with my mom's little sister, um, my Aunt Mimi, who lived here. And she used to read this genre of book, like, urban romance um, novel yeah. books when I only read, like science fiction or like mystery like stuff like that and she actually like turned me on to the books and I would read them sometimes I'll read them with her and sometimes she would just tell me about them and that's kind of like what sparked my interest in reading them and then writing them um really just came a couple years ago like well a few years ago I was on vacation with my family and I had finished a book and at the end of the book it said hey do you think you have what it takes to become an author we're looking for authors if you do send your manuscripts here and I thought about it for a little while, and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to try it. I think I'm going to go for it. So I, I wrote my first couple chapters, and I reached out to my aunt, and I gave it to her. I was like, do you think I should go for it? And she was like, hell yeah, I think you should go for it. I was like, I'm going to do it. And that's that's how it happened. It's, it's amazing when you hear stories like that, because when I started, I was told by a professional children's author that I had read as a kid oh my gosh, your visions, like the way that you use your words and you create your visions is so, like, it, it just stuck with her. Like, she read over 30 different entries for this contest and she just couldn't get mine out of her head. 
And so she she gave me this award, but I was dyslexic. And I'm like, I can't publish books if I'm dyslexic. And she like totally hooked me up with editors and, and she kind of got me all these classes to kind of like teach me how to do it. And from like 2009 on, I just, I never stopped writing. I know I write exactly what I want to write, what I love. And I just, I worry about sort of publishing it later kind of thing. Like I'm lucky now with the position I'm in and the contract I'm in, I could write anything I want and they'll just right. be like, yeah, do it, you know? Um, but yeah, it's that, that journey though of self-doubt when you're getting like the 50 different, um, rejections and stuff. Yeah, that sucks. No, for sure. For sure. Because you're just like, um, I don't know. I, I kept, I had held on to it for a minute before I was like, you know what? Let me just, let me just try it. I mean, what's the worst case scenario? I wasn't an author before. So worst case scenario, they just say no. And I go back to just nothing just being me yeah doing your thing yeah luckily so, that didn't happen when you know <laughs> yeah i'm so glad it didn't so what was like your aha moment for your second book what was your i gotta write this moment well funnily enough um i had to write it anyways because it's a second part to my first book <laughs> but um so you tied yourself into that one basically <laughs> It, I did, um, because when I signed to my publisher, we had to do three books. Um, so yeah. she basically asked, like, just the different ways that I could come up with doing them. She was like, you know, you could do a three-part series. You could do three standalones. You could do two parts yeah. in a standalone. What want to do. She gave me all these options. And I was like, mm, I think I'm going to do, like, two parts and a standalone. And she was like, okay, cool. So I decided that, and that's pretty much how I just I just kept going from there. I picked a stopping point at my book one. You know, I'm a... I'm a sucker for the cliffhangers. I'm sorry for everybody out there who doesn't like that, but I love them. I'm a cliffhanger girl too, so I wouldn't worry about it. We're up there. We're up there together um, for yeah. sure. So I left book one at a cliffhanger and then like it was really juicy and book two, I was like, yeah, now I got to get into it really, really because people's jaws were on the floor like, I know she didn't just leave a cliffhanger like that. So I definitely <laughs> had to get there give them book two. My, my publisher phoned me up. Uh, it was about three and a half weeks ago and she went really you left it like that and then she hung up the phone (laughs) yeah and I was like I guess that was a good ending then like you know just um but she she went crazy because she I told her it was like a huge series and I wouldn't tell her the number of books was in the series because I didn't want to scare her and so she read the first five no she read the first yeah she read the first five and she was like I gotta publish this. And I said, but wait, that's not the end. And she's like, well, what's the end? And I said, the end number I haven't gotten to. So I told her it was 64 books in this one series. And she went, I don't care if it's a thousand books, you're, you're finishing it. And I was like, all right, you know, like you're not going to turn down a contract that gives you the entire series. And I'm like, okay, I'm in. Let's do this. So, yeah. 64 books is very ambitious. I can only aspire to be like that in the series. <laughs> uh, it's, it's easier than people think because when you start to build the story and you start to build the, the foundation blocks of, like, because ours is, like, a group. So you've got, like, twin sisters. You've got a father whose family's all screwed up. And then it kind of builds out like that. It's like a kind of like a spider web. 
it's kind of funny. Um, and so you're following different people's points of views throughout the story. And I think that's so much fun. Um, so that's how I got away with it being 64, because everybody gets a light to say their side of things. I definitely agree that that's like a really easy way to build because that's kind of how I um, did mine as well. Like with my characters, like, you know, like you said, everybody gets a chance to like talk. Everybody gets a chance to like, you know, say what they, what they want to say. And I feel like that does indeed help, especially with like book length when you want to talk from different points of view. Um, And I feel like for me, like this is genre that I'm in, I got like, I get sometimes overwhelmed when I'm reading stories from a whole bunch of different people's point of view, but it's so good though. Like it's so yeah. juicy. It's that's what really that's what really makes the story, honestly. And um, for me, I was like, well, I decided to do a spinoff, and I was like, but the spinoff really has to have like it has to have like everybody. Like it has to have what the people want. And I'm like, can I do that? And I'm like, you know what? I think I can. I'm just gonna have to go for it. I'm just gonna have to go for it. Exactly, so and I think, and I think the great. You, you saying that you could be sixty-four? That's I am inspired. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the the great thing is if you're if you use diary entries as well, you can kind of almost like have the character talk directly to the reader, but without breaking that wall that we all get yelled at for you know having to keep. And I liked that idea because I kind of like just took all the rules for contemporary fiction and I just threw them out the window. Um, and my publisher looked at me and kind of, she looked a little stressed and she went, this is going to be an interesting one, uh, when it comes to marketing it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, for sure. I'm happy our, um, our publishers want to stick through our craziness. It's definitely a compliment. <laughs> exactly. And the thing about authors is we are all a little bit crazy. We all live in our heads and we constantly create in our heads. Um, have you had that experience where you're like out with your friends and you kind of like start thinking about a story and you forget the conversation you're in? I have had like the experience where like I might be like riding around and then I just like zone out and I'm like, this would be a good idea. That would be a good idea. This would be a good idea. Or like it's the smallest thing that we might see like something at a store or like you might hear somebody's conversation you don't know or something like that. And you're just like, I could craft something around that. Or for me, like, Music is a big thing in my life as well. And so I'm just like, I can write a story about that. Like, that song could be in this book. They could be doing this. Like, it's just so much. Like, you could just get from one little thing. We could just go on a whole inner tangent. Yeah, I love that. Because I always feel like we all have ADHD. Because, <laughs> like, we'll be sitting doing one thing and then bang. Like, our brains will be getting us to do something else. Um, and I, I hate it when I'm, like, plotting and I'm using, like, the plotting system. And I get another idea for a totally different book and I have to like put one notebook down, pick up the other one and be like, continue through that. And then when that's finished, put that down, pick up the other one and go back to where it was. You know what? That is annoying. But honestly, I feel like that's what keeps the creative juices flowing because at one point I was like yeah. bouncing around on my like laptop at like five different stories. I'm still kind of doing that a little bit, but I feel like it just keeps us fresh and it keeps us going. I feel like it definitely helps like to prevent or try to at least it will onset slow more slowly my writer's block if I have it if I just like stop working what I'm working on and like go to something else it definitely helps me it does help and I think the notes also help because you can look back at your notes and be like ah so that's where I went wrong 
so this is what I need to do to fix this little thing, and then it'll be good. So I've, I've kind of learned little tricks like that along the way, where I'm like, ha But I wish I kind of known a lot of this stuff right in my first year, and then I could have, like, mastered it by now. <laughs> but unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Yes, I don't think I'm, like, every time I think I'm close to, like, mastering something, it's always something else that, like, the editor says, and I'm just like, foo. Um, so and then you're like, I, damn, did I really do that? <laughs> yes, like it'll be so simple. Like I just got my edits back, obviously. Like I told you, like, and I'm I'm reading them, and I'm just like, why the hell would you write that? Like, like what? What were you asleep? I'm like, that means it's like it's little errors. Like was I drunk at that stuff, point? And that's what I'm saying. And it's like it's little grammatical errors, but it's just so frustrating. I'm like, why would you like? do that and I'm like well that's what an editor is for and I'm like I know but like it's just me <laughs> yeah you and that's the thing like all of us writers in romance particularly we have imposter imposter syndrome where we feel like we're not good enough and we like question every little edit to like the ninth degree like how did I not see this and like how did I write this like what was I thinking and you kind of go through that and I keep saying to like so many romance writers that come on here and they are like oh we hate this we hate this we hate this and I'm like but if you didn't do that your stuff wouldn't be as good Mm-hmm. that's true I think it's a hard line between like understanding what you just said like if you didn't your stuff wouldn't be as good versus like that doesn't mean that we have to still be battling with this imposter syndrome it just means that we're doing what everybody else does submitting our writing to edits that's what the editor is for yeah. but it's kind of hard to like that and the people don't realize is the emotional connection you have with everything you do so there's like you put your entire soul on the page and then you have to send that soul that's like really fragile and tiny to somebody else who's then going to judge it and like decide on what stays and what goes and there's like that little part of you that's like i can't open the edits because i can't see what she's cut Yes, for sure. How it is for me. (laughs) I do agree with that. I feel like any time, like, well, because it's only been two times, right? Because again, I'm just, I'm very new. But the first time um, I sent my book to the author, I mean, to to the publisher, she said yes. Um, Our publisher, she sends our book to test readers. And if the test reader, like, have anything to say, they'll, like, put it in the comments or like the last one on my book to the test reader she like sent a voice note and then my publisher sent me the voice note and like I was able to hear it I kind of like that better but I feel like yeah, you just like easier. yeah it was what it was way easier and I'm just like okay cool I can just you know play it back and I can like while I'm playing it back if it was anything I could work on it but like you kind of hold your breath while you're like listening to like what they're saying you're like oh yep, did you, like, I do that my- yep but yeah, that's kind of how it is. But I didn't really get bad feedback. I was just frustrated with the feedback because I did wait so long to like submit the second one. Not on purpose, of course, obviously. You know, I was getting my master's degree. I just didn't have time. But like, I was yeah. just like, well, I know what I'm like trying to convey. Like, I don't want them to think this. And I'm like, it's okay if they do. Like, you know, you can explain It's part of the process. Better. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I signed my contract um, and I've just completed my third year of university from my bachelor's. And I was, like, writing those books. And then I was also trying to do, like, the coursework as well. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, completely mm-hmm. insane. Um, and then the the contract came in for my publisher. And, and I was just like, oh, 
<laughs> that moment of how do you balance fourth year crystal and this contract like yes for sure like i i understand exactly what you're saying i just feel like i was letting them down but i'm like i just can't like i would just have so much guilt from trying to like go to school because i was in like i was like when my first book dropped i was in my first year of my master's program but i didn't write it in my first year it was like pretty much already done i like finished it so it was easier yeah. than starting from scratch the second half of my first year in a master's program. And then I started seeing clients and then I had like projects to do. And it was just so much. And I just felt bad. Like I will feel bad if I did my homework, but then not write. But then I'll feel bad if I'm writing and I'm slicing out my homework. Or something. So it was just a lot. I was just like, it's so hard to like balance that. And then like clients, like mentally in my life, can I show up for them because I'm doing all this work? So something fell to the wayside and I felt really bad about it. <laughs> I wouldn't feel bad about it because the great thing is you've kept going and there's so many writers as soon as they hit this like rough we always call it the rough patches Mm -hmm. they disappear like they will just go poof and you never hear from them you never see them again and that's the one thing this industry teaches everybody persistence ambition and drive it's like three cornerstones and you just have to hold on to all three which sometimes feels absolutely impossible and you just keep going you just keep pushing and going and going and hoping that you get to the other end (laughs) unscathed emphasis on unscathed (laughs) yeah yeah. you do have holes there is nobody i know that hasn't come out with dense holes (laughs) their lives turned upside down um it's hard you know It's, it's crazy. It, it, honestly, it's crazy. Like, and for me, my whole journey was, I mean, I don't know how much of you you've seen on social media, but from my experience, I went from being this kid who lived in this tiny rural island to then living in a big city and then getting in with famous people who were performance artists. And then from there, just like people saying, you've got to write books. And not really giving me a choice. And then just kind of getting like dragged along with my kind of slightly more famous friends. <laughs> I was like, the, you know, they were like, no, no, you're coming with us. Like, you're too much. Uh, we love you too much to like leave you behind. So come on. <laughs> so um, that was kind of my story. Like just being that small time girl that just thought my life was at 60 miles of land to then realizing actually I could dream way beyond that. Like I could go to LA, I could go and do all these other things and I didn't have to live in that 60 mile bubble. So that's like the thing I tell every student I ever meet. I'm like, doesn't matter what obstacles you have to deal with every single day. You can still dream big. You can still go see the places you want to see and you can still just live your dream. It's, it's, it's there for the taking you just have to fight for it i think that's beautiful i really do because that's definitely a caveat for life you just gotta fight for it yeah and i think that's so important right now like with everything that's going on in your country everything that's starting to happen mine it's like you kind of need to remind people there is actually reason to have hope and to be positive And I feel like my books give them that option. Like, they can go into that book and just escape. And I keep saying, like, 
we need to, as a society, read more and stop watching reality TV because <laughs> reality TV does not represent real life in any shape or form. And you get far more enjoyment out of a book because you can you can sort of be the director and you can create the movie in your head. Whereas what you're seeing on TV is not necessarily going to ever match up to how your own mind can portray it. Yeah, reality TV, um, emphasis on the reality. I don't really know why it's reality TV at all. But, you know, hey, more... My dad calls it junk food for the brain. So I guess if you yeah. like that, that's this is what you like. <laughs> but... I, like, I would place an emphasis on, like, what you say when you're, like, oh, like, you know, you want to come up with books that give you a chance to, like, escape. And I don't know how everybody else feels out there about astrology signs, but if you do love them, I'm a Pisces, and I enjoy being a Pisces. I feel like I definitely have escapism tendencies. That's what I love books about so much, because books yeah. is a whole nother world. They can just transport you to a whole nother world, like, especially whether you've been there or not. Like how you said, like, oh, well, if you really want to go to this place, you can be there. And I firmly agree with that. Like, I do agree that, like, no matter where you come from or what you do, you can get out of that place. You can make a bigger life for yourself than what you initially have. But if you can't for the time being and you want to escape somewhere else, you can just pick a book up and you can go exactly where you need to go. Yeah. I, I it, the, the most fascinating thing I ever heard was I had a group of, um, at-risk teens that we had in our youth club and they were like how do you like to them they were they felt so locked into the system they were in they couldn't see beyond it and so what I did was I got a bunch of books that I knew that they would like and I took them into the youth club and I distributed them to the to the kids thank god I did because the following week we went into lockdown with COVID mm. And so many of them like got on social media and they found me and they started like messaging me saying, oh my God, you got me through mom and dad trying to kill each other. And, you know, I could escape for like five hours and not feel bad because I could tell my parents I was reading it for school when I'm actually just reading it because I want to forget, you know? And a lot of parents, like, they didn't want their kids watching TV over here because all the channels would have the news on every couple of hours. And it was terrifying the kids. So, like, people couldn't, the kids couldn't just sit in front of the TV and watch TV all day. So, thank God I had that idea of I'm going to bring books so that these under, like, what they call struggling children, struggling families, have that opportunity just to kind of get away. And uh, it was funny because the local library had like, I think, 30 new kids sign up for the library system. And they were like, how did this happen? And I'm like, I take no responsibility. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes, I mean, sometimes all somebody needs is like for you to like put it in their hand. And like quite literally, I feel like that's what you did. Yeah. So it's like. Sometimes the kids don't know, like, you know, like they want to watch TV. They want to do whatever they want to do. They're not really like stimulated by books like kids used to be um, when we were younger. But when you put it in their hand and they kind of have no other choice, they kind of see like, you know what? This isn't that bad. I actually kind of like it. Yeah. And then they realize books are not just for school, which is like yeah, the that's... biggest obstacle to overcome. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Because like, you know, they're at, they're at school, they do textbooks and they're like, I don't want to go home and read. Like, I've been reading all day. Like. But reading for school and reading for fun is two different things. Yeah, and I, I love teaching that because I go into, like, colleges and I go into 
high schools and I'm like, there's more to this than just what your English teacher gives you. If you don't like what your English teacher is giving you, go find something else that you might like. Try something different. Um, my grandmother was huge into reading and like would every summer I had to take eight books out and I had to read all eight books and I had to tell her about each one as I finished it. That was how insane she was with me. <laughs> Until she realized I'd accidentally picked up Catherine Cookson and I was eight years old. And that's not very appropriate reading for an eight-year-old. I haven't heard of that. I'm going to have to look her up. She is phenomenal. She was, um, she was a rebel here in the UK because she addressed mental health illnesses. She addressed equality. She addressed um, domestic stuff. But it's all done in the setting of the working person like in that working class system or in the less off system and it shows like what life was really like it's not all lords and ladies and mansions with servants and stuff she actually wrote like how an everyday person would talk and would tell their stories from that point of view um one of my favorites that she did was called colorblind and it was for me, like where I grew up, it was like we were such a small community. It was like weird. But for that book to like be there opened my eyes to like there was a whole other world out there, like totally other world. Um, and Colorblind is uh, an interracial like relationship. And it's like happening in London just as the slave situation has been abolished by, by the UK. And it's kind of like she gets rejected by her family, but she loves him so much she's going to make this work no matter what it takes. And it's such a, a really moving story. I was, yeah, blown away by it. Blown away by it. I was yeah, nine I when I read that. Thank you for having that. Look her up. Yeah, she's, she's phenomenal. And the thing is, like, because she came out in the early 90s, People don't really know her unless you're being in the UK. Because, like, in the UK, she's a dame. So she's kind of, like, part of history. So everyone knows her. Um, but, like, when I talk to people internationally, there's so few that do know her. But she's, oh, she's incredible. Like, you, her, you can tell she's dyslexic. But you can also tell she's writing it as an accent. So you can hear the accents of the words. Nice. Yeah, and so I was my first um, introduction to slang and how slang could actually work in a novel setting. So I was I was very impressed as a as an eight year old. I'm like, <laughs> unfortunately, I did pick up all the grammar issues that she had and that came in my schoolwork. Yeah. That's always something. Because that's the thing that we don't realize as readers is that we actually pick up how other writers write and then that kind of breeds into like our own way of editing and our own stuff so I always right. find that right. funny like the world around us seeps in whether we try <laughs> even when we're trying not to let it happen mm -hmm. it always does so what's it the book does. that you've you've read most recently that you'd say has stuck with you that's really stood out for you mm. That's a really good question.
I actually consume a lot of books on daily. So the one that I feel like stood out to me the most, um, I would say in my genre, her name is, I hope I don't butcher. I really do think that's how you pronounce it though. Devon Latrice. And yeah, her name is Siobhan Latrice. I, I think that she is like a 20 out of 10. And the one that, yeah, I do. I, like, I've not read a book from her that I ever wanted to put down or that, like, like, ever. Like, I've never seen, like, grammatical error. Like, she's just, she's, she the bomb. She the bomb. I'm going to say that. I, I love her. And she was actually, like, my inspiration for a lot of my stuff. She had a book called, um, she gave her all to the hood's finest. And I was like, like, yeah, like, the title captivated me. And I was like, I'm just going to read it. Because what is that about? And it was great. Like, the book was actually really, really great. It inspired me to do, like, a lot of different things. Like, it was it's a four-part um, series. And actually, one of my friends, as a birthday gift, she found her on Instagram for me. Not even for me, because I didn't even know about it. But she found her on Instagram. And she told her that I was a fan. And she bought a book from her. And she signed it before she sent it to her. And I have it. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I do that as well. Like, if people message me on, like, DMs and stuff. And I say, right, you buy it off me I'll sign it because we always have copies in the house so like I always sign it I give a really cute message or an inspirational message and then I and then I mail it out because it's that you're connecting with people in a whole new way like you're building a relationship with your readers and that's super important because then they'll come back and they'll read your stuff I agree. I never even thought about that. I didn't think that, like, well, you know, there goes the imposter syndrome again that you that you brought up. But I didn't think that anybody would want, like, you know, because when when I released like my first book, I didn't think anybody would want me to like sign it. But like almost anybody that I knew personally who yeah. bought it, they were like, "Can you sign this for me?" And I was like, "Okay, like, you think we're gonna do something?" You get that kind of bashful <laughs> flatness, yeah. It's it's like it's like your pat on the back, feel that you've done a good job. Like when somebody asks that. And I think readers get very um, starstruck as well. You know, more starstruck with us authors than they do with superstars because it's a whole different experience. It's a whole different connection that they get. Um, So I always, I always get nervous for signings, but I'm fine at talks because I know it talks. I'm just talking. But when I'm at signings, I'm like, how do I sign my name again? Like, I have to think it through. Like, every single yeah. type yeah i agree because obviously you know but it's is my author name it's not my real name and sometimes i find yeah. myself like it's not my real name and i'm like they gonna be like who the hell is that um yeah. so yeah i definitely agree but that book really yeah to like to go back to the original question like that book really set the precedent for me like it really just shot me off like that is the that is the blueprint that i feel like i want to reach like not so much about how she writes but like the feelings that it invokes, like the sheer entertainment. Like when I'm going over my stuff and I'm reading it, if I don't feel the same thing that I feel when like I'm reading hers or something from another publishing company that I really enjoy, I'm just like, nope, this can't be it. I just, this, this can't be it. Like I just hold myself to like a very high standard because of that. Like, I'm like, if it's not hidden, I can't do it. You we'll have to do it again. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I do the same thing like with my, my series is all of my series is I will sit and I will look at it in as many different angles as I can so that 
I don't let any potential reader down for anything. Um, you know, and that takes skill. Like that actually is a skill that's really difficult to do. So yeah, and I always get super nervous too when I, I, I have to like send it to the editor. I'm like, it's the day off. It's like nails are in my mouth and I'm like, ah. you know, That's like right. every author goes through that that moment of I can't hit send, I can't hit send, I can't hit send, you know. Um, and then I do eventually hit send and I'm yeah. like, oh, thank God it's gone. <laughs> yeah, oh my God. Well, big what would be God your... Yeah. What's your biggest and best tip for every writer that's following us? Like, what's been your best lesson you've learned? Mm, the best lesson that I have learned, I would say, is like, just keep keep writing, keep writing, and give yourself grace while you're writing. Those would be like my biggest two because you know, as yeah. we talked about. Like sometimes like life gets in the way, but don't stop because of that. Like literally exactly. just keep going, just keep going. Like you might feel like, oh, I can't do this. I don't like this book. I have writer's block. Nope, 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 nope. Just keep going. Like really try your best to move those intrusive thoughts out the way because they are going to come, especially oh, yeah. while you're writing, you're free thinking, you're trying to get into a groove, you're trying to flow. Just keep on writing, keep on writing. You can go back and edit it later. You can go back and finish it later. You can go back and decide you want it to be a 64-part series later. Just, you got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. Exactly, yeah. Well, it has been an absolute honor to have you on. I am going to plug your book on Saturday. I am going to launch this on Saturday. And hopefully I will get a copy and I will also review it for you. Just I so you get that. an just so you can get that extra boost girl because like we all need to stick together because like social media is like shark tank like it is. <laughs> it really is. we were talking about that the other day like how you get random emails from fans and they're not always good like yeah you're like why do people send stuff like this like did yeah did they not think this through for sure. I got my first experience for that on Amazon. When my first book came out, it did really well. So I'm all happy being all smiley and stuff. And then yeah. I see somebody like really mean and I'm like, F you. <laughs> yeah, like there's always that one person that has to be like, I'm going to crap on your parade. You know? Exactly. Like they just live for it. Like they were like, oh, showtime. Like they just couldn't wait. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we will exchange emails so that we can i'll share you send you the link to that woman's book and then you okay. can uh we'll we'll do some talking and get a copy to me and i'll i'll review it for the show um because i love doing that as well because it's, it's so good for me to try new things and then be able to promote the authors that's been on as well really helps sure. uh, solidify everything so yeah thank you so much for coming on today thank you thank you for having me yeah so Guys, you're going to want to come back next week as we have a very big surprise guest coming on. We were not expecting. So tune in. Don't miss it. I promise you it's worth the wait.